two, one. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Stonemount64. This is the Fireside Gaming Podcast. It's currently April 12th, 2019. Today, we are joined with another guest, Stephen Ellis, a.k.a. Snoopy. How you doing, dude? What's up? I always find that funny. You know when you get, you get introduced as your alias? Yeah. And then you go back and forth. I don't know if you ever find that. but Dude, like, it's... It's one of the weirdest things, and literally, I, I notice it from everybody, too. Whenever I go to a gaming convention, it's always like, hey, I'm, I'm David. <laughs> also, I mean, you know, I'm also Stonemount64. You know, I don't know. You might know. I, here's both my names, you know? I caved. I, totally, I was like, okay, just call me Snoopy. That's and what I do, go, too, dude. That's what I do, go, too. Snoopy, and I'm like, is that how you say it? And I go, Snoopy. Like, whatever that sounds like to you, <laughs> just go with it yeah yeah that's what i uh i just say forget it dude it's hard enough to learn somebody two names or one name let alone two names so that's why i was like oh i was gone to that but last week we had acolyte on that was insane it was a great podcast i'm kind of working my way into bringing some more guests on so that's why i'm super excited to be bringing you on um you know it was it seemed to be super well received not just me chatting by myself in in my room like i do but I'll still probably do that from time to time, but a ton of fun to bring you on. Um, some people know some of your background. You uh, have quite a history, streaming, competing, everything. I just wanted to like let you kind of intro. Where is it you started? Like, what is it? What's it about? One of the things I was wondering is like, I wonder if there's any crossover. Um, just given you know when I was at the peak of my career in the past, I was you know, playing League of Legends at the time. And I'm wondering if there's actually any crossover with, with your audience. It'd be, it'd be interesting if there is, but I'm assuming that there isn't in my backstory. You know, I, I was just a passionate gamer um, that grew up in Scotland. So I've got a funny accent. It's the first thing I'll say. Is, uh, <laughs> myself. My accent's like half Scottish, but more American now. Um, but back in the day, I when I was growing up in Scotland, I remember when I was like six, you know, like I, I really uh, just wanted a graphics card for Christmas. I was like very atypical kid. Um, and I just, became, I was such an, a passionate, obsessed gamer and fast forward like a little bit, you know, in the last, I, I ended up competing professionally as a, like a league of legends player um, and playing in stages all over, all over the world. When did you like, were you, were you, what were you playing on your computer that you wanted to get a graphics card? Like, I was four. I definitely did not have. I just got like a Nintendo when I was, you know, I was young, and then I played like Game Boy and stuff like that. But well, but. back then, <laughs> I so my dad was like, you know, your dad's like a kind of um, tech guy. Like my dad was really in it. He was like yeah, playing was around too. All stuff and was always like buying the new, like the Amstrad, the Omega, and things like that. So I had that in my house at the okay. time, and I saw him tinkering and playing. And it got to a point when I think it was like I was hooked on this game, Age of Empires. Um, yeah, I don't know if you ever played it, but it's like a really good game, especially Age of Empires Two. Like rest in peace, it was like a really good game. <laughs> um, and I, I played a lot of that. But then my dad started playing um, Quake, like the old Quake, like Quake One. Uh, and he he got like Duke Nukem, and like he wouldn't let me play it. And I was like so annoyed um, that he wouldn't let me play it. And then he started these things every Friday night where he would let his or he would set up these like land servers through hamachi i can't even remember it's like this weird like internet because it was before like matchmaking or the internet like right. really worked. 
like he made his own mini server so that people could like come play on it. And he would, instead of going out on a Friday night, he would play with his mates and they would play Medal of Honor, um, old classic war game, which I'm sure a lot of your, your audience is like familiar with. And I really wanted to play. I'd watch him like every Friday night and then it'd be like time for me to go to bed. And then he would like still be playing. And eventually like I convinced him to let me play a couple of times. And obviously like when you first start out, I was bad. Um, yeah. But quickly, like I got to play a little more and I, I started to get good. And I was like, I really wanted to get my own PC so I could play. Um, and I got my, I got my own PC that I could play on. And then it was like a cheap PC, right? Just starting out. You know? Sure. I'm a kid. Yeah. And then I, it was Christmas and I was like, I really want a new graphics card. Like I really, cause I, I just became obsessed with like having the latest tech. Yeah. 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 And I, I got the graphics card and then I started playing um, every Friday night against my dad and then my dad's mates. Uh, and it got to the point actually, I think it was like a couple of months in where his mates got really annoyed and they were like, we're not playing with your son anymore. <laughs> I'm like a seven-year-old kid at this point. And they're like, we're not playing. He's just, he's cheating. And I was there, like, I wasn't cheating, but like, they were just, it was like ruining yeah. their Friday night fun that they were having. So then I kind of ventured off and started playing uh, in my own and doing different games. Was it like, when, when you started playing League, was it like at the very beginning when it came out and you started playing it and mastering it, got like ahead of everybody on it? Or was it already out and you just got... Like, because I, I played League for a few years when I was in college. I never put any content up on it or anything, but it had already been around. Like, I saw people in competitions. Uh, like, the, it was already getting pretty big, and some of my friends. So I started to play it, but uh, I never got, like, crazy good at it. I just, yeah. you know, I just played it a little casually here and there. I, I don't know if, like, for you when you're playing games, but throughout all of my teenage years, when I started playing games a little more, I was like the hyper competitive guy. Like I would start playing a game with my friends and I could no longer play with my friends because I would start going into like higher like ladders and ranks and stuff. So like I was playing semi pro when I was like, like 13, 12 semi pro in team fortress classic. Uh, I was semi pro in CS um, 1.3. I think it was at that point in time. Uh, I then played like Eve online, which if you've mm. ever heard anything about Eve online, it's spaceships and spreadsheets. Yeah. Uh, and I played that for seven and a half years. And I was like hardcore at that game. Like that's how I made money as a kid because it's not, you're not technically allowed to do this, but I would basically be like building up accounts and then like selling those accounts and buying and trading, <laughs> selling them. And like, I keep leveling up. Uh, and I had this like empire. I was running something like as a 15 year old, like eight accounts in Eve Online. Um, <laughs> I even like dabbled, like, you know, when Vanilla Wow went to Burning Crusade? Yeah. Uh, I hated Burning Crusade. So I like, I stopped playing Wow and I spun up my own private server. Um, really? Play Vanilla Wow with like buddies. And then I actually grew into like a community and um, I ended up making like, we would sell custom gear inside this Wow server and like make hundreds of thousands of dollars um, of people that just like had a nostalgic feeling for, for Vanilla Wow. So I was always, always obsessed with like the top of the thing. Like yeah, I, I never yeah. was like a casual, I'm going to sit in my sofa and like play some games. Like I, I always obsessed over, and it was almost like an escape for me. Um, I like wasn't the most social kid growing up. I, you know, was, was definitely more of the, this is my world and I'm going to like own it. Um, so when league came along, it was actually some friends that recommended league and 
this was back in 2010. So like maybe like six months after their first soft release they did. Mm. Uh, and a few buddies introduced me to it. And I started playing it and I hated it. It was the first MOBA that I'd ever played. And I really did not enjoy it. Um, I tried just because my buddies were like obsessed. And I was like, I'm going to try it. Um, and I just could not get it. What did so you, went, Was it like the actual league or was it that type of game that you didn't like though? Type of game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was not necessarily the league. It was just the type of game. I just couldn't. It was a MOBA, right? It was just fundamentally different from any FPS or right. like the other like MMOs that I played. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't like it. I, I didn't play StarCraft in the past, so like I didn't have that kind of or Dota. Yeah, so yeah. Relationship. I, uh, when I remember when I was playing it, it was like one of the things that I liked about it was that I was kind of figuring out all these like it was a, it was such a huge difference from like a shooter that it, it was like overwhelming the amount of information and everything. Even though it's not like the crazy most complex game, there's so many like the small detailed complexities within it. Yeah, it that's really where is. It's like it I, really I, I, I lost it, dude. So like I I left it and I just start I was playing like Battlefield yeah. Heroes or something. You ever Battlefield Heroes? Did you ever play that? No. So say, I was like what, the car say, version what, of Battlefield. Ba- Interesting. I, it was such a good game. I played that for like oh. a solid half year. Anyway, I went back to playing that for a bit, and then mm-hmm. um, my buddies just like coaxed me into it and like we're saying like come on, like, we'll start doing team games. We'll play as a team together. And you know how it is like you cave till like, your buddies are like trying to like, yeah, get you for sure. So I cave and I go back and. I start playing and I had so much fun. Like the problem before is I was playing myself and trying to figure it out and like get better. This time I went back and we only played team games every time we played and I had so much more fun. And that fun, I ended up just getting good. Like naturally I pick up games and I get quite good and I just got better and better. And fast forward six months, I couldn't play with my buddies again because I was just, you know, being better than them and it wasn't fun for them. It wasn't fun for me. And then I ended up climbing the European ladder and becoming one of the best players in Europe. And um, do you think that, ladder. like that, uh, as do you think that drive for you to, or maybe the the reason that you came better at it was it like you were just super competitive to where you were putting in more time that your friends were like, you know, just playing it casually. You're really like trying to figure that out, or is it just like what do you think that was that stood you? Or maybe it was just your competitiveness. Like, what yeah. was it that drove you to, like, climb? Because that's, at least for me, like, you know, I, I see the ladders and I'm just like, eh, whatever. I don't really, I've never really climbed any leaderboards, like, even in PUBG or any other games that I play. I've gotten high ranked in, like, Halo back in the day, but, like, I, I didn't, what do you think that is? I can't really explain it. Like, it's, it's definitely, you know, I'm a hyper-competitive person. I definitely am. Uh... But the act of like climbing and what makes you want to keep pushing, keep pushing and writing. I think that maybe like there could be a status element to it. Like if I dig, if I dig like really deep and I think like, why does that per or why did I care at that yeah. point? Like it could be something to do with status. Right. I mean, I like, and this is me going really deep. So sorry uh, for those listening, but it's just a thought <laughs> exercise. Like if I go back to when I was a kid, I grew up in a very small town I never traveled much. I never like we we didn't do a whole lot um, where I, from the small town I'm from, and I was like getting recognized for doing something great in this game, and I think like that status and that recognition probably was some of the fuel, not all of the fuel, but some of the fuel that made me keep chasing that feeling 
um, and wanting to compete. And I just started developing this competitive muscle uh, over time. And I think that um, kind of manifested like league was just the game that I latched onto and I became yeah, really good at it. Uh, and first, you know, I, I got on the ladders in Europe and then I got the chance to basically substitute for one of the kind of teams at that time. The ecosystem is a lot more or a lot less mature than it is now, but play for one of the teams, SK Gaming. And I got the chance to go to Germany and play on stage. And all, you tell a guy that like was liking like the comp- competitive aspect, like you put him on a stage at Gamescom in front of like 5,000 people. Like you can't imagine like the adrenaline, the, the <laughs> drug that that was like inside of me. I was hooked. I was like, I am not, I am not letting us go. I know I can do this. I am one of the best in Europe. I'm going to make this a thing. Fast forward like a couple of weeks, that team that I was substituting for said, you know what? You're better than our main guy we have. I want you on the team. And that then began, I, I then began my career essentially. And, and there was a pivotal point that happened in my early career in League of Legends was I was going to China for the first time. And my dad had been to China on like a work trip or, or two before. Uh, they, had, they had a thing out there. He was like, oh, I really want to take the family there at one point. And he didn't get to go this trip because he was actually really sick at the point in time. He, he was fighting cancer. And for any of those that have family or friends that have fought it, it's really not a pretty thing to go through. And he was, he was fighting us. He couldn't go on the trip with me. But I came back from that and I was like, I know why you found it so amazing and wanted to show it. And like, it just totally opened my eyes to the world and gave me the sense of like fire inside of me. Uh, he passed two days later um, oh. when I got back from that China trip. I was then meant to compete. A week and a half later, I was meant to be in New York at Comic-Con competing uh, for one of the IEM Intellectual Master events. And I was in this situation where I was like, do I go after this or do I not? I can't leave my mom and my sisters. Like, you know, I'm upset. Like I didn't even process it really. Yeah. My mom like told me, no, you got to go. Um, and I went and I didn't tell any of my team. I didn't tell any of my management, anything like that. I just went and uh, we got second in the world um, <sighs> at this tournament and we like killed it. Like we did so well. We almost came first. And that was the catalyst like that. I was like, I'm not letting this go. I'm going to make this my career. Um, it dropped out of university. So I, I missed that part. out. like, I dropped out of university, <laughs> um, which my mom was like, what the fuck? Like, what, <laughs> my, son, my son's gone off the rails. Like, what? Like, four months later, I tell her I'm moving to South Korea and Seoul. And she's like, what just happened? Like, my boy is like, now I'm moving to the other side of the world. He's dropped out of university. Uh, what is going on? And... I, I was just like, I'm going to make this. Um, I'm going to be one of the best League of Legends players in the world. And that started a, a four and a half year journey where I competed in over 30 countries around the world. I've, I've I lived in Korea, China, Germany, um, all of the US in different team houses and teams. Um, but yeah, it was that early catalyst was super important in my career. When you were at those events, did you like so you were playing for uh your team like yep. what was the what was the i don't know like connections that you made or like did you switch teams at all during that process like was the it the hardest the hardest thing about like in esports right you have team games you have single player games 
Um, single player games are the skill ceiling typically in a single player game is usually higher. Um, like the people at the very top are like leagues above the person that's like, you know, 10 steps down or whatever. Um, but it's such a, you're in your own mind the entire time. And that can be a blessing and a curse in other games, team games. So like Counter-Strike or League of Legends or Overwatch and those games you have in League of Legends, four other people that you depend on to create the outcome, which is a win, which is the one you want. Right. And that is a complexity that I think if you look at the NBA or you look at any other team sport, it's, it's such a, a nuance that impacts severely the, the career of a professional um, player. Like I need to get on with these four other people that are from different parts of the world and not only get on, I need to think that they're my brothers. Like they need to be right. family to me. And just think about it, like I live every single day with this other teammate, these other four teammates. Like I need to practice eight to 12 hours a day with them. And then we got to compete on a stage. And this has to happen over a season, like a six months or a year. Breathing that every single day, like that environment is one of the most challenging parts of being a professional player, the actual competing on the stage, that, that part like comes naturally to competitor. Sure. All the behind the scenes stuff. That's the hard part. And that's the part that most players struggle with. I was lucky. And that I was one of the older players in the group of, of our team, at least. So it was easier for me to have the experience and, and, you know, I it took on a captain role because I was able to, I just had more life experience to be frank. I just been around longer. Yeah. Um, and that made it easier for me to work with my team, but it's definitely challenging. You've got a lot of egos. You've got a lot of just drama that happens behind the scenes. You know, you've got like someone left the dishes in the sink. Like, like that's just, it's the smallest thing. But like if that happens every single day, you're just like, it's just a small annoyance, right? Oh yeah. Um, you've got people that like don't wake up to like 12 in the afternoon right before you start scrims. So that's annoying. like, after you uh you done some competing, you moved to you said South Korea? Yeah, so I moved And was to, that like a team house that you were in then for it? So we actually our team was invited to what's called OGN Summer and this was in 2012. And it's essentially like a 4 month long knockout tournament. And we went there 2 months before. We got invited and we went 2 months before to start boot camping. Our team was doing quite well on the European circuit. So that's why we got the invite. And we got there two months before and started practicing. And we got there and we were getting absolutely like, can, I can kind of swear on this, right? There's no like, yeah, no, it's fine. We were, we were getting shit on, right? Like, we got the Koreans were just so much better than us. Like, it wasn't even close. Like, it actually, like, we got to the point where like, we're going to lose this. So let's just see what we can learn out of it. Like, that's like every game mentality was like, what can we learn out of this loss before we'd even started? Um, and the tournament starts and we were just expected like one of the West, all the Western teams, pretty much all the North American European teams were like, they're just going to get knocked out. Like whatever, like that'll be fun for them for a month, like <laughs> free trip to Korea. And we, we played in this and we were actually like the sister team to the main team CLG. So like CLG North America was like the main team and we were the sister team. We beat the, our sister team. who was the main team. We then went on and just this like succession of, like we're at a studio every day playing on Korean national television and we're playing every day. And 
or every week. And we ended up making it all the way to the semifinals. And the, everyone was like, what the hell's going on? This is Western team doing like, and we had so much like all and the entire West was like behind us uh, in the league of legends scene. And then we got to the finals. We're playing against Azubu Frost. And you can, like, I can't describe this, David. Like, the stadium that I played at, right? It was the Korean War Memorial. There was giant soldiers, like, statues of soldiers in this venue. And you know, like, how you get those pillars? Like, I kind of remember, it's like in, like, Rome or something. You've got those giant pillars that go oh, down yeah. the side. Mm-hmm. We were on a stage, and we had those giant pillars down the side, the audience of 10,000 people right in front of us were outdoors, massive Korean like soldier like uh, memorial. And we are 2-0 up in a best of five final. 2-0 in a best of five final. All of North America is like going to sleep because it's like whatever time. And then one of our players gets too cocky. And he makes this small little play in a 45-minute game, this small little play that turns the tides a little bit and we were winning two zero up like momentum's our way tides turned and suddenly the korean team latches onto it azubu frost they latch onto it and they are hungry like they, they they start getting these small wins small wins small wins they turn the tides and end up winning three two wow we were going to be the first western team to beat korea on home soil we had everything in our favor the story arc like, you couldn't have even wrote this if you tried we ended up going two, three and losing. That is incredible. I can't even imagine what the audience. Oh, it's, it was insane. Like that, that moment, like for anyone who's a League of Legends fan during that period, it was utterly insane. So I'm curious then you, uh, obviously very good at, uh, gaming, playing, competing, um, what about streaming though? Because you were streaming at this time as well, right? Like how, what was your, uh, that was, I mean, around that time, that was when Twitch was just come off being Justin. Like, when did you start doing that? What was that process? Well, like? I actually, I started streaming on Own3D, um, which was before Twitch. Um, and it was a European service and they were the, they were the top dog, like for gaming. Own3D was the top streaming service uh, for the longest time, but they, they ended up paying for all their like hosting through cloud services and their costs were astronomical and they ended up not being able to pay creators and all sorts of crazy stuff. And Twitch was like, okay, that's when they realized we're going to be Twitch, not Justin. Mm. And they started bringing people over. And when I moved over to Twitch, I was streaming on there since 2011 or 10. Um, and I, it was like for you in the early esports days, you made no money or a lot, not a lot of money at least. And streaming was like the way we made money. Like, believe it or not, ad revenue was like a really meaningful contributor at that point in time because donations and subs didn't even exist. Uh, so we would stream in all of our off time. Um, and, you know, we'd be streaming in front. Of, like I, I got to the point where I was getting 25,000 concurrence um, at the peak. And I, I loved it. Like it's, I don't know if I was funny or not. I think back then I had a Scottish accent, which was good. Like I actually, I don't have the American accent I have now. Sure. And I also was very good at the game. So I had those two things like really going for me. Uh, no, not so much, but definitely, definitely the time, like uh, that was like the main way we made our money. And it's actually, you'll notice this happening in the industry right now is for some pro players, they'll decide to go to become streamers because the money in streaming is bigger than that in esports. Um so it was definitely like 
uh, in streaming as well, interestingly, was just taking, it's why actually esports took, took off so much in the 2011 timeframe. It had like Riot Games, the developer, wanted to make esports a thing and put a lot of team, like a lot of resources behind it. And Twitch had like came out. So like the technology plus the developer investment at the same time created like a hockey stick uh, for esports. And Riot's the creator of League of Legends. So they were trying to bolster the whole thing up through Twitch then. Yeah. Like the, the whole, like if you want to see League competitively, it was on Twitch. Um, and, and to be honest, like Twitch has a lot to thank Riot for in those early days um, because they skyrocketed the numbers on that platform. And it was just, it was a perfect little mixing pot of things happening um, that helped League esports, but also helped Twitch. Did you ever, like, was anybody creating anything on YouTube at the time for that? Because that's where I was creating a lot of content for that. And I did see League of Legends blowing up on Twitch. And I kind of, you know, in my mindset, I was like, eh, that's mostly just for League of Legends and whatnot. I'm just going to keep doing stuff on YouTube. Was it- there definitely was some stuff happening on YouTube. Obviously, YouTube is a massive platform. but Yeah, sure. It was... um. And there was community content, but the, because of esports and the way esports worked, like you were shooting in this live event, and that was on that was all on Twitch, so it really did pick up off the live event world. And the VOD tail wasn't a thing. I'm I'm now positive that VOD is much bigger than live um, for uh, for League of Legends, but back then it was really indexing heavily on these big events. They were spending a lot of money putting on, and that created a creator ecosystem from that. Um, and it was actually a lot of the former pro players were switching to streaming. Yeah. And that was like the early live creators, like was those pro players. And what, I mean, what kind of tools did you have when you were streaming? Was it like, oh, I was so janky. I mean, if you didn't have subscriptions or tips, you still had ad revenue, but like, was it, was there a good chat? Like, I, oh, no. I, like it's, it was a crapshoot. Um, like, we would also be streaming on one monitor because like you got to think like my um my we were traveling around the world right and we were just like set up in these little like quick ups quick setup things to practice so we just had one monitor so what i would do is that i had the monitor where i'm playing my pc and i'd have my laptop on the second screen where i could like load up the stream itself chat you couldn't separate chat out i would just have the twitch.tv slash snoopy like loaded up Right. I'd be looking at the chat there. The video's running. It has to like remember and like mute the video on the laptop. And then I've got, you've got like the team around me is like shouting. So it's coming through all the time on my mic. Uh, OBS was the go-to at that point in time slash exploit. There was like both, but like Streamlabs didn't exist. Right. No. There was no such thing as donations or subscriptions. Um, eventually donations came, but before Streamlabs, it was like a PayPal link. Um, and you just had to get people to go to their PayPal. It so was... Far from what it is today. Do you think it was like, uh, I mean, you were there, was it you scrimming, like working with your team whenever you were streaming? It was just like the scrims, the practices, or it was a competition as well that you were streaming too? We would mix it up. So scrims would be a big part. We'd never stream competitions, like the tournament organizer would do that, but we would um, we would stream our practice sometimes, but we got very protective over that because people would like watch it to try and see what we're doing. Yeah, sure. Then we, we got to the point where we, we would solo queue, which is like when you're playing yourself, we would do that um, and stream that. But it was like, and it was good because if you wanted to see good League of Legends outside of a major tournament that was happening, because back then, term, big tournaments happened every month rather than every week, like they happen now. Oh, wow. So if you wanted to see good League of Legends, 
you had to go watch a pro player. So for our stream numbers, it was like insanely good. We would have, you know, tens of thousands of, of viewers. Wow. That is, uh, it, it, what would you say, like, I don't know how much you really still follow competition or not. You haven't been doing it for a while now. Like, what do you think some of the biggest differences from like now? There's a lot of questions that came in from people asking about that with like, you know, the journey is obviously, it's different from where you were to where it is now. Like, yeah, organizations will pay players, they'll have teams. What do you think are some of the biggest differences between? The biggest change now is... At first, it was done as a marketing tool. So esports back, like it was essentially, we have X marketing budget. We're going to carve out some of that. We're going to spend that on marketing. Um, and it was done just to try and get players to come back and play or play more often or whatever. The evolution thinking is like esports can be its own standalone business, right? This is the belief that some developers and people have that it can be its own standalone business. And we're going to monetize it as a business, not, as a, not treating it as a marketing expense. And that's led to different systems and different developers taking different approaches. So a company like Valve, who's behind Counter-Strike and Dota, are very hands-off. A company like Activision Blizzard, that's behind Overwatch and, and Call of Duty, are very hands-on. Like, they really want to create, like, regional teams and have, like, these affinities where you've got people going to stadiums to watch. Then you've got Riot, who's, like, set up a whole global league infrastructure. I think there's something like 14 to 16 global leagues under um, League of Legends. And I think you've, so you've got like the Valve on one side, which is kind of hands-off. And then you've got the Blizzard Activision on the other side, which is like very hands-on. Yeah. Um, and I think no one knows what the answer is. I'll be honest. Like everyone's just trying to figure out what model works in esports. Um, a big thing right now is there's a lot of capital flowing into a space. So a lot of traditional sports investors or even VCs are starting to throw money in esports thinking, hey, is this like basketball in the eighties where I can put in 10 or 50 million and get a billion valuation, you know, 20 years, 30 years later. Um, and they're taking this approach and the problem that that's okay. But in the process of doing that, it's creating a pretty unsustainable ecosystem. You've got players that are being paid a lot. You've got infrastructure costs that are a lot and the brand dollars and the monetization hasn't caught up with the investment yet. And it's a chicken and the egg thing. Like you got to have, you got to put money in to create money type thing. Um, but that's, that's the tension that the ecosystem is facing right now is how do we monetize and build an actual business versus this is a marketing tool. Sure. Because if you're, if you're a game developer, like, you know, EA and you run a big battlefield tournament, you could say that's a marketing expense. And then most people will buy battlefield, the game. And that's how you, you know, you monetize off the back end rather than, people buying into the business unit of Battlefield Esports. Yeah, it's been really interesting to see too, even like in the space of like Fortnite, right? Those guys just made so much money. They're just, it's similar to kind of what Riot's doing. They're just infusing all of their money into it. Literally, I think this year they have a $100 million prize pool. Um, they have a World Cup coming up for that. But I think a lot too, was it super common for everybody to be streaming? Because now it seems like, most, I, I don't know, I would assume at least most of the pro, pro players are streaming as well with their content. There's a huge side of that so too. It's interesting on that side is pros. So in the more competitive ecosystems, like Overwatch, or not, I would say more competitive, but in the ecosystems that have got a lot of infrastructure around them, 
like League of Legends and Overwatch. Yeah. The pros actually have less time to stream. And they're also, they've got big salaries, but they've less time to stream. Mm-hmm. And it's so competitive now because there's so much money on the line that they need to focus on practicing, not streaming. Yeah. So they're actually in those ecosystems streaming less. But you've got the definition of esports is essentially evolving. Before it was like the best of the best, the top 1%. Now it's like, how can you just create competition online? Mm-hmm. So that's when you see things like Fortnite's Friday tournaments and things like that. That is not the best of the best, but it is competitive online gameplay. And it, what it's doing is it's changing the definition of esports. And when you do that, people don't necessarily know what a pro player is and a non-pro player is. Um, and it, it's just a good thing for esports, like this kind of lowering the barrier to entry, essentially. And you've now got all these streamers that are decent at the game. They're not the very best, but they're decent at the game are now creating these tournament ecosystems. And that's that's kind of labeled as esports. And it, me as a, a diehard esports fan and, you know, pro player, I, I really believe this is great for the ecosystem. Um, I think trying to say only the top 1% or 0.001% can compete is wrong. I think it needs to be a much um, more inclusive, um, wider ecosystem in, in labeling it competitive gameplay versus you know, this hardcore thing that's esports. Yeah, it's it's been interesting to see too. And I definitely see that as well with like, even from my own thing, as well as what I've seen from others. It's like a lot of teams have even like pro players and creators on their, like on both sides of it. And yep. then I've seen like in some of these tournaments that have been held, I've seen where it's like, they just want other creators in the tournament with them. Like for myself, when I've played in them, it's like, I know when there's a pro in that game because this dude is dominating everybody it's like it could get it could get bad pretty quick and uh, i've experienced that yeah the mix match you're like damn why'd this dude get invited he's like way too good to be here yeah 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 and it's like well let's just let's have a tournament just for creators let's let the pros have their own you know it's like but it is it's like an interesting mix that's kind of been happening yeah Uh, yeah but so anyway so you went from was there like a definitive moment when you're like all right that's it for me. Uh, I'm done competing because you no longer compete. What was your transition from that? Like, from going yeah, the from, biggest, from the biggest thing for me is I had a great career. Like, I really did. Um, I I traveled the world. I you know we got third in the world championships. Not first. It's always better as a competitor, but we got third <laughs> in the championships. Um, I met so many amazing people and had so many amazing experiences. And for me, throughout that time, I was always really interested in the business side. Of, of esports and i was like negotiating not just my own contract but like on behalf of my teammates i was negotiating their contracts i was like working with sponsors like monster etc and i was always really um really involved there in the back end and that um led to me at the end of my career saying you know what i don't want to become necessarily a full-time streamer or like a personality afterwards um i i really want to go behind the scenes and and help build the industry from from the back and i went to a startup for a year and uh that really accelerated a lot of the startup you're doing everything um so i learned a lot there and while i was at that startup i had facebook had reached out to me um and actually it asked me to if i could come and help with their esports initiatives at the time uh and i was quite reluctant to be honest facebook's a great company i felt super lucky to be asked that but 
I had so much autonomy, you know, for all my career, like I was never gonna have a bus. So I was, was going to have to move from Seattle, which I loved down to San Francisco. Um, and there was all these kind of pros and cons that I was doing when thinking about it. And then I, I have amazing mentors throughout my life. I'm like super grateful. And for all the listeners, like I really encourage you to get mentors uh, in your life. Like it's helped me immensely. Uh, and speaking with them, they said, Facebook's a great place. You should go there. Um, and I, when I joined, I really, I made it my mission um, to work with the team at Facebook to try and get them to care about the game space that I came from. Um, you know, I came from the hard, hardcore side of games and Facebook had this, you know, business around the casual side of like Farmville and, and things like that. And I really, really wanted us to do more in the, the core side. Um, Cause I thought that was like where the game space was going. And I just seen that uh, we could do a lot in that. Um, where was with, there, where was there like game? Because obviously, yeah, they were huge and, Farmville was like one of the biggest games in the entire world, which is crazy to think about, but it was like, where was their gaming mindset when you, when you joined them? Because clearly they were interested in esports, wanting to bring you on. Like, I, I think they were just, they seen it happening. They were like, we need someone who gets it to help mm -hmm. us understand it um, at that point. And there was a few folks on the team, but really the team was very small. Um, there wasn't a lot of investment in games at that point in time. Uh, and internally there wasn't a lot of understanding and, and it wasn't like they didn't want to do things. They just didn't understand they didn't have people inside that understand and were from it. Um, so when I joined, I, I really tried to educate a lot. Like I spent a lot of my time just educating other people and um, very smart people that are doing amazing things. They just didn't know the space. So I spent a lot of time doing that. And then, you know, framing up um, an approach. I really believed that we could build a live streaming platform. Facebook Live was just taking off at that point in time. I was like, we can really build a meaningful live streaming platform for creators here. Um, and honestly, help more people like create a living doing what they love, like what I was able to do. Um, and that proved to be harder than I thought. Um, I was very naive, like, hey, let's go build this live platform. Essentially, let's go build a version of Twitch on Facebook. That was very, very, very challenging. Uh, and I actually, that's when I bumped into you, you know, in those early days, um, I met you, I went to the EA Game Changer um, event and I was telling you about this cool, new, awesome, amazing, very janky thing that, you know, barely worked at that point. And I was trying to say, hey, can you, can you, um, can you come try this out? And yeah, it was, uh, it was a big presentation. I remember that um, you and uh, one other guy had given and. Um, you know, it was to a room of creators that all wanted to, we're all doing YouTube videos or Twitch streaming and things like that. And, um, you know, it was actually a few months before that, I think it was about in 2015. So maybe even a half a year before I had started creating, posting content on Facebook. And, uh, I actually had some videos go insanely viral on there and, one of the things that actually made me want to do it was I had uh, uh, Battlefield shared one of my videos out, and that went incredibly viral because every, it was my YOLO where I go in and full commanding officer on people and uh, lead some squads. And it was just like, it, to me, it was just like I'd seen people going on like Ellen and all these other mainstream TV shows just from their Facebook videos going viral, and I was like, I needed to be posting here too. So I was posting my content, I was curating it. And so when I was there, I was really already receptive to like 
wait, Facebook's actually trying to get in on. So things were in my favor at this point. Yeah, like I'm I'm gaming, yeah. I'm posting content here. Uh, like there's barely anybody in this space posting content. Like literally everybody, a, a lot of people in that room were like, well, I'm posting my videos on YouTube and I make money from that. I could post my videos on Facebook and make no money from that. What should I do? I'm not going to do that. You don't have monetization on your platform yet? Yeah, Biggest I'm not going to do that. When I did that was like, where's the monetization? I was yeah. like, we don't have it yet. Yeah. Uh, but I promise, like, we're, it's going to come. We're going to work on it. Um, and it was a room, I think, of it that it was like 300 people yeah. or, or 200 people in that room. And like you, a couple of people came up. But um, and that first chat we had, I was like, wow, um, you, you, you've got like a spark. You, you've got like a, an energy here. Um, <laughs> I went up for these guys. Who talk, like I literally went up to him. I was like, I was talking to the guy next to me. I was like, I'm going up. I'm going to talk to him after this. Literally. I've been posting video. This is like, this is, this is, this is good. I'm like, yeah. Okay. And then I went up and I talked to him. I was like, dude, I've been posting videos there. I've seen him been blowing up. I see all these other videos. I want to figure out how I can blow myself up. I like, I, I saw the, the vision there and I was just like, let's do this. Let's like, let's, let's try and figure this out. So Anyways, and that was when I was I was streaming on Twitch at the time, I believe. Uh, I was doing some streams on YouTube, but I think I did have a, a Twitch partnership. That was it was, it was a long yep. time ago. I, yeah. But um, you know, I was trying some stuff here and there, and then eventually I tried multi-streaming to them and stuff. And and that that began like I mean, we essentially in those early days together built the platform. Like we we. Um, made enough case studies to get enough people to believe in what what Facebook gaming could become, um, and it's it's just such an incredible journey. And it's like definitely one of the highlights of my career is what we were able to accomplish. I mean, Facebook is a very big company, and they're doing a lot of awesome, amazing things. And the fact that um, we were able to prove enough value inch by inch, essentially over time, and and get them to believe in what we're doing, and um, now you've got, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of creators starting to make a living and it's still, you know, it's definitely not where Twitch is today or where YouTube is today, but it's came such a long way. Um, and that's just the beginning, right? Like it really is. Uh, and, and when I think about the impact that I've had on the industry and I look at, I look at that and I go, I was really skeptical about joining this, this Facebook thing, you know? Um, but now when you, when I look back, I go, wow, like, I, I left a dent on the games industry by choosing to do that. Like there's now another viable live streaming platform um, in, in the industry. And that, that, that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Uh, it might have happened, but like maybe not as quick or whatever. Um, sure. And that's just, that's extremely rewarding and like something I'm really proud of. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy to, because like those years ago to see people being like, Oh, what's this to now like the next year being like, wait, you have how many followers on Facebook after doing that for a year? Uh, okay. And then two years later being like, Oh, all these other people have started to do this now. Oh, that's interesting. It's now three years where now they've got like so many more things going on. It's like, it's pretty crazy. And even besides that other, other platforms like Mixer has been evolving. Um, you know, it, it's been crazy to see how the whole industry, like what you're saying, like it started, you know, with esports and the expansion of this over these years has just been so crazy to see and gaming, yeah, my, gaming like, evolving in general. Live streaming is growing at 40% year on year. 
and gaming as an industry is just incredibly exciting. Like, um, I, and I'm so happy. Like, there's like you've got Facebook in the space, you've got YouTube in the space, you've got Mixer, Caffeine, Twitch, like all these different live stream platforms that are making each other better. And that ultimately is is great for the streamer, the creator, and then and the viewer. Um, so, so so stoked what we built, and it's still we built. You know, it's still yeah. it's still got a long way to go, but it's super exciting. So what's your like goals for what's next? Like where's, where are you at with that? So I, I actually left Facebook back in October last year to help my wife and her company. Um, she was doing really well and I, I was helping her hire a few folks. We moved down from San Francisco to LA and we hired um, a few folks for her team and built an office and things like that. And I was thinking about what I want to do next. And um, I've, I really believe that there's a huge amount of value um, that we can bring to the community. And this is something that I been chatting with David about for a long time. And, and David's like, to, it's hard to understand, but like David is, is so good at helping other folks. And he's, um, and he's referring to me. If you uh, don't know me as David. Oh, yeah. Snoopy. I got to forget Snoopy stole so message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, I know right. people don't know me as David. So, you know, uh, sorry, stone, I should say. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the biggest thing is like, I've realized that I've been so fortunate to turn my passion into career. Um, a small tanker from Scotland. I've met, I've since been able to travel the world. Um, and I, I think that we can help do that for thousands of other people. Um, and I been hard at work behind the scenes and it was that was um we're sharing a little more to, to tomorrow about it um for those streamers that will be joining us but uh i've been working with david to build a company called pipeline um and that's helping streamers turn their passion into career um and i am so proud of what we've built over the last four or five months um it's been an incredible journey. When you're first starting out, you've got this idea and like actually turning it into something that can help thousands of people. Um, it's been a wild ride, but I'm so stoked to start this next chapter, um, which is going to be in the next three, five years of my life, uh, which is helping people turn their passion into career um, through streaming. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk more about that tomorrow too. And if you guys are listening to this as well, some point in the future, you can hear more about, read more about it, pipeline.gg. Um, but yeah, that's super cool, man. Uh, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely excited about it. We'll talk more about that too. But we're running out of time. I did want to hit some of the questions because we got a ton of awesome questions from the community. Um, so let's get through, uh, let's do some of those. Um, we kind of addressed some of them. I was curious. I, I guess you kind of touched on something, but I'll just uh, throw it out there. DJS asks, were you playing? He actually was playing Dota really competitively. Um, he was wondering, were you playing any LAN tournaments with friends, team? You kind of went through how you went, how you joined yeah. that. But like when you're early on, how were you finding LANs or like competitions to play in? So there was, I was in Scotland, um, which, was, which was in the UK. I know it can be confusing. So it was in the UK and um, I was probably like 18 or something. And what I did do is I would go down to uh, what's called Insomnia Gaming Festival, which is the largest LAN festival in England. Uh, and I got on a train. It was like a six-hour train ride. And I, like typical, if you're being a LAN, like I was carrying my CRT monitor, uh, my keyboard, my tower, like 
you know, carrying a six hour train ride <laughs> yeah. with a CRT monitor and my tower. Um, so like went down there and I, I basically played video games for four days, didn't shower four days, um, sat on a crate, like I didn't even have a chair, I just sat on like a pallet box. Um, and I did things like that. So I definitely went to a few land centers um, that helped me a lot. It's just the social aspect was really good. Um, and also just the experience uh, was really good. And I, I, I like, I didn't win any of the I series, but I, we definitely played like pretty well. And that was like good early experience, but a lot of mine came from online um, than actually offline. Cody E asked, uh, and actually there's something recently that happened with this. I don't know if you saw it, but um, he asked, have you looked into D and it's kind of a question for both of us. Have you looked into D live for streaming and thoughts? I don't know if you saw, but um, PewDiePie actually signed an exclusive deal with D live to be streaming on there. Yeah, I, I did. I saw that. Um, so like, there's a lot of companies getting into this, the live streaming space. Um, I do think D live is one of the exciting ones. Um, I think that their approach to, you know, the, the decentralization and using uh, on like a blockchain uh, model is, is really interesting. I, the current, there's a big question mark around the currency and like adoption of like blockchain and people's trust for it. Like, can it hit that scale? Um, getting someone like PewDiePie to believe in it and, and come and do um, an activation with them is, is awesome. My, my thoughts on it are like, how can they educate people on blockchain? Cause it's just, I just feel like there's a knowledge gap yeah. um, between the average gamer or viewer and that tech. So yeah. they might be more comfortable with platforms like Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. I feel like, I feel like there's still a, a learning curve to that, quite a learning curve. Like I even went there and I saw he's, he's basically just like running a stream currently. That's just, he's waiting for his first stream, but he's streaming before that. That's got a few thousand people watching. So it's most of his audience kind of going to it, finding other people right now. So there's been a ton of discovery through that, but, uh, a lot of like, there's like lemons and there's some things on the side. I'm not super certain of, I'm sure they'll figure it out over time. But, uh, to me, it's kind of just like, it's interesting to see that like of any move to make PewDiePie currently has like a hundred ninety million or a hundred million. Yeah. He's the number one on YouTube, which is an insanely massive platform. So it's like, yeah. if anything, that is a major disruption. I'm just so excited to see what happens with it, with like yeah. people streaming on it, with the audience, how they adapt to it. Like, is it just going to be his audience on there, or is it going to spread from there? Like, uh, I think it's super cool. You got to make it sticky. It's like that, you know. Yeah. Thing like how do the how many of those people that came to see because I don't know how long Peter Bay is going to be live for on the platform. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, or how long um, his thing how is. How long is his audience going to stick around, and then how much of that audience goes to other you know streamers? And right. that's like a question. Um, he's doing something kind of cool though. He's he's giving fifty thousand dollars to others. Like his first stream, he's going to be watching other streams and donating money to people. That's such that's a his stream thing, by the way. Like I know, right? Like that's you see like Mr. Beast and like those yeah, guys. Yeah. Like cash app thing, like <laughs> such a smart. I don't know what the legality of all that stuff is, but like it's such a smart engagement strategy. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, Fisher B asked, uh, in terms of creating a team, how do you recruit? Whether that's for, you know, your team professionally or uh, whatever you, future things. So creating a team, like it's 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 surprisingly still got a lot of friction. Um, I think the best attempts at trying to resolve that were uh, platforms like 
in League of Legends, they create a thing called Clash where you could like recruit people in to play and then it would like create your mini professional team essentially. Um, I think the, the best way to create a team is still probably when you're competing at a rank. So like, for example, if you are, let's say, Diamond in League of Legends and you're constantly competing at that Diamond level, you'll start to see people that you play with more frequently. And then you say, hey, I would love, like, what do you think about forming a team? And I think that's, like, the most organic way to start a kind of grassroots team. It was for when I first started. Like, I got to the top of the European ladder and played with the same people over and over, and then that's how we made ours. Um, so you can try that. Uh, the other thing um, that you can do in making a team is if you're thinking, like, professional level, that one's a lot harder. Um, that is the infrastructure required to do that. You need to have a lot of capital. Um, but there is an opportunity in that field that doesn't require money and it's ability to scout talent. Um, so if you can get really good at spotting talent early, uh, that is a very valuable skill. And a lot of people, it's a very high in demand skill. Um, there's people out there right now that don't actually run big, massive pro teams, but run businesses around finding talent. Um, so that that's like a good opportunity if you're trying to get started with a grassroots team or a pro team. Yeah. Uh, and I think too, like a lot of it, and he was asking too, like, do you bring on friends or I think you make a lot of connections as you go through, th even just like building teams for anything else. I think you make a lot of connections over time and you kind of, you'll know what those connections, strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah. And you can kind of work with the people that have the right strengths for what you're looking for. Um, yeah. Richie A, he's actually uh, Scottish as well. He asks what, oh, what your favorite. He asks what your favorite slang is, like your sl like slang term from. He said there's they have a lot. You guys have a lot of different slang things you say. Oh, we do. But you know the sad thing. Is, I, I feel Richie's gonna like laugh at me, like because I sound so American. Um, but there's a uh, Denny Ken. Do you know what that means, David? No, Denny Ken. I, I don't know. I don't know what you just it said. I don't. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I see. I did know. I was just saying I don't know because uh, yeah, I knew yeah, what yeah, it yeah. meant. <laughs> uh, Let's go with that. <clears throat> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's so much slang, and it's sad because I've started to forget it. Like I know what the American word is now. Not it's. It's. I. I was so ashamed of <laughs> within me. Yeah, I actually have some uh, Scottish YouTube friends that. I've got to meet in person and talk to, and even in person talking to them, they're just like, this accent's so strong. Yeah. I just, I, I'm like, I don't know what he just said. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> Mine used to be that way. It's just over the yeah. years. It's How long it's have expensive. you been uh, in the States? Or the States, I guess. Like, out, out of Scotland. I've been out of Scotland for eight years. And there's this thing, apparently if you move, and I don't know how true it is, but if you move to a new place before you're 25, you can, you've got a good chance of losing your accent. Mm. Um, I don't know how true that is. It's just someone told me that once and I've kind of stuck with it. But <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, Caleb G asked, it was a question for both of us. Uh, will I ever play League of Legends Dota and will you ever play any like Battle Royale type games? I have played League before, but I feel like it's way too, I feel like those audiences are quite different. It's like what you were talking about earlier. Like I, you were like you'd be 
interested to know how much crossover there was between audiences. It's like, yeah, I don't know how much crossover there is, but um, and even like because even watching Dota games or Dota or League or something, I'm just like, I, I don't know what's happening. It's yeah. too much happening, you know. Like I don't, I'm not, I can't register it. Um, it's in like an FPS game. You can at least look at it and go, "Oh, guy got shot, guy died." Okay, that makes sense. Sure, yeah, sure. And like, but some of the abilities, it's like all those colors was that? And who won? Like, yeah, it definitely it, it can be harder to understand for sure. Uh, I'm not throwing it. I'm not saying I won't ever play any game never like that never, because, never. yeah, I mean, I I didn't know what the hell I was going to be doing. Two years ago, if you told me I was doing this right now, I, I would be shocked, you know? So it's like, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but, um, I mean, have you played any Battle Royales or anything? Uh, I have, but I was going to say, am I going to see Stoneman64 competing on stages for League of Legends? Is that going to happen? Is that the next chapter? No way I can catch up on that, dude. Yeah. Uh, I played BR. Um, I really liked Apex. I just, for me, because I don't have as much time to play games now, um, what I do is... I tend to fall back to the game that I have the muscle memory to play. So like Apex requires a lot of work. Uh, what's the like Fortnite like building mechanics like takes time to learn. So for me, it's just easier to fall back to like a Counter Strike, which is like one shoot, or League of Legends, which I have so much muscle memory, like I can almost play the game blind. Um, so that that is, I, I play more League nowadays. But I, I'd be happy to try BR. PUBG is a great game. That is actually this kind of leads to the next question. Tyler RS. Um, have you ever played Smite? What do you think? Because that's kind of a game that's... I don't know if you've ever played it or seen it, but it's basically I've like League it, of Legends. But I've it's, seen it, but I've never played it. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I actually have some buds that, that do play it, um, but I haven't really gotten to that one either. That's kind of like a crossover between them almost because it's like a third person. You control the yeah. character from the perspective, but it's still technically the same format as like a League. Yeah. The one thing I got to index on is like okay, I gotta, there might be this one thing that solves my need and I can go play that, but like none of my buddies are going to play it. So how am I going to go, I, yeah. I want to play with my buddies. Like as I get older, that's the one thing I, I keep coming back to is like, I want to play with my buddies because we always create, it's like life gets, you know, you get kids, you get married, you get all this stuff, you get a house, uh, you start playing with your buddies less. And that's the thing that I want to make sure I do. So wherever my, I'm going to try and find games that my buddies enjoy as well, um, just so that we keep playing games basically. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, that was uh, that was what we had for it. Any final uh, thoughts? Anything no, to share? I mean, Whatever. It's just a pleasure to be here. Like, Thanks so much for having me on. Um, so good. I mean, it's crazy to think behind the scenes. I've been working with David for, for years, uh, and it, it's so cool just to kind of be here and chatting with you all. Um, so, yeah, thanks for the time. Uh, working on some really cool stuff. Stay tuned. And what's your uh, Twitter or whatever? Uh, yeah, Twitter's my go-to, so if you had at, at Snoopy, at, at S-N-O-O-P-E-H. Perfect. Cool. Yeah, if you guys want to tweet them, connect with them, whatever, go for it. Uh, we'll have more coming for you as well. Thank you guys so much for listening, hanging out for the podcast today. If you do want to go give it a review over on iTunes, wherever it's at, it's across all the major platforms, Spotify, all that good stuff. Hugely appreciate you tuning in. Of course, thanks for joining in, Steven. Appreciate it. Thanks. Ton of fun. Later, yeah. guys.